Welcome to The Wisdom Journey. Stephen Davey is teaching through the entire Bible, all 66 books, with a lesson each weekday. Stephen's desire is to help you know what the Bible says, understand what it means, and apply it to your life. Today, Stephen has a lesson called Shocking Truths About Life After Death. Outward circumstances have nothing to do with your eternal destiny. Everyone must personally respond in faith to the gospel. Sometimes the best way to get a message across to people is to shock them with the truth. Well, that's exactly what Jesus is about to do here in Luke's gospel account. He's going to talk about the afterlife, uh, the comfort of paradise, and the torment of hell, or in this case, Hades. It's going to be shocking to his audience. I think of Vance Havner, a famous evangelist from the last century, right here from my home state of North Carolina. At one point, he was pastoring a a little country church, and he preached on the subject of hell. A farmer came up afterward and and was rather upset about it and told uh, Vance Havner, you need to preach on the meek and lowly Jesus. (laughs) Havner responded, well, that's who I got my information from. Well, let me tell you, Jesus warned his audience about hell more than any other person recorded in the New Testament. Jesus has now been teaching a number of parables, and another one here would certainly fit with that pattern. Many interpreters, however, suggest that this isn't a parable at all because Jesus never named anybody in a parable, and he's about to do that in this one. Well, either way, the truth will remain whether Jesus is describing a real person or not. He is describing a real place. Well, with that, we're now in Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Now, you could entitle uh, this parable, The Great Reversal. The rich man had everything imaginable in life. He's dressed, the Bible says, in purple. Uh, A purple garment in these days would cost three years of an average person's salary. Well, everybody would assume that this rich man had earned God's favor. On the other hand, Lazarus, well, he's a poor beggar. Everyone would assume he's experiencing God's judgment. I mean, here he is. He's, he's been laid at the rich man's gate. That verb indicates that he was very well abandoned there at the gate. Now, in these days, people ate with their fingers, and the wealthy didn't use napkins. They used bread to wipe their fingers. So Lazarus is hoping to, to get some of that bread to eat. 
Now, Jesus simply says here that both men died. Lazarus ends up at Abraham's side or bosom. This represents the the seat of honor. This is the place at the table right next to Abraham. But the rich man ends up in the place of torment here in Hades. Now, this, again, this would have been totally shocking to the Pharisees. Evidently, Lazarus had nothing in life but God. And the rich man had everything in life but God. Now, I want to pull over here and explain something about the afterlife that Jesus is revealing. We think of heaven and hell as the final place for the saved and unsaved, and that's true. But at this point, before the resurrection of Christ and before the final judgment of unbelievers, Jesus is describing here a temporary place. Uh, We can think of it as having two compartments for the spirits of, of those who've died. The Old Testament speaks often of Sheol as the place of the dead. Both unbelievers and believers are said to go to Sheol. Hades is the Greek term for Sheol. The New Testament indicates this is a temporary place for the dead with believers in the comfort of Abraham's presence. Uh, By the way, there's another name for it. It's called paradise. And unbelievers in a place of suffering that's called Hades. Now, when Jesus arose from the dead, all the Old Testament believers in paradise were transferred to heaven, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. And since then, every believer upon their death immediately goes to heaven. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, this, to be absent or away from the body is to be at home with the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. So you could think of it this way. The comfort side of Hades is now empty, but the suffering side is still in full operation. Every unbeliever to this day goes to Hades and awaits the final judgment where, according to what we're told in Revelation chapter 20, Hades is poured out into the lake of fire, which is eternal hell. So in this parable here, Jesus is describing the situation at that time prior to his resurrection when he leads the Old Testament saints from paradise, that is the comfort side, to the Father's house. He's picturing now for us life beyond the grave. And there are at least six interesting observations or truths about the afterlife that we can pull here from what the Lord says in Luke chapter 16. Here's the first one. No one who dies ceases to exist. Oh, and by the way, nobody's sleeping either. The word for sleep is used in the scriptures for the dead simply as a way of describing their body, sleeping, as it were, lying there in the tomb. But we're shown here that immediately upon death, these these men are awake. They're fully aware of either judgment or joy. Secondly, The soul or spirit is given a temporary physical body. Now, Jesus describes here two men immediately experiencing either enjoyment and conversation or suffering and thirst. In fact, the rich man says here in verse 24, "'Send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame.'" Well, evidently, Lazarus has a finger, and this rich man has a tongue. 
Well, here's another truth about life beyond the grave. Individuals are recognizable in their temporary bodies. The rich man, Lazarus, and Abraham, they're they're not floating spirits, you know, that have become one with the universe. No, they're still identified as individuals. They are distinct, conscious, communicating, emotional, physical, literal people. They even have the same names. Lazarus didn't change his name to Fred, and Abraham didn't change his name to Sam. Here's a fourth observation. People have memories of their lives on earth. This rich man remembers he has brothers, and he knows that they don't follow God either. This tormented man then pleads here with Abraham in verse 27, "'Send Lazarus to my father's house.'" For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Well, surely he thinks that if somebody like Lazarus miraculously returned from the dead, his unbelieving brothers would repent and believe and avoid this real place of torment. Abraham replies in verse 31, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. In other words, they have the Old Testament, the Word of God. Now, we need to hear this today, beloved. Abraham clearly says that miracles will not convince unbelievers of the truth of the gospel. Just deliver the Word of God and allow it to do the work of conviction. Martin Luther, the reformer, once said some 500 years ago, I simply taught and preached the Word of God and the Word of God did everything else. Now, maybe you're thinking, wouldn't a miracle be great? Wouldn't it change their minds? Well, think of this. Jesus did raise a man from the dead, ironically, a man named Lazarus. And what was the response? Well, the religious leaders still plotted to kill Jesus, and now they wanted to kill Lazarus, too, if they ever got the chance. You see, if somebody denies the Word of God, all the miracles in the world are not going to change their minds. Well, now, here's another truth. Those who have died have an unchangeable destiny. Abraham explains to the rich man here that the gulf between heaven and hell is uncrossable. There's a, there's a great chasm between the two, and it's, it's fixed. It's unbridgeable. It is forever uh, impassable. So whatever you decide about Jesus in this life is a decision you will live with forever. Here's one final truth that we can observe here. There is no such thing as unbelief after death. Those who would not believe the truth of God's word while they lived on earth will one day know that it was true after all. In fact, it's going to be undeniable. They will know the truth but it will be eternally too late. See, this was the surprising message to the religious leaders, and it it might be shocking to you today, but it isn't presented, by the way, just to be shocking. It's presented to give you an invitation. The Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, Romans 10, 13. So don't wait. Let me tell you, it isn't safe. It isn't safe to die until you've trusted Jesus for your future eternal destination. With that, we're out of time. 
Until our next wisdom journey, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey and a lesson called Shocking Truths About Life After Death. You're listening to The Wisdom Journey. Once or twice a month, Stephen sends text messages to those who want to receive it. We'd like to get you on that list. Are you interested? Texting is a great way to interact. And once you're signed up, you can send Stephen text messages as well. All you have to do is text the word WISDOM to 833-676-4051. Again, just text that one keyword wisdom to 833-676-4051. Do that today, then join us next time to continue the wisdom journey.